Welcome to the Boys of Summer. This is episode number 71. I'm Gene Gums. Glad to be joined by my friends Eric Braun, Paul Arnold, as we talk about our favorite sport. That, of course, is baseball. Guys, uh, the last time we talked, it was the trade deadline. There was uh, insanity going on. And I know I had talked originally we are going to start off with the NLS, but I just was thinking, you know, we've got to talk about what happened in a couple of towns uh, during the trade deadline. For instance, uh, what does it feel like to be a Chicago Cubs fan the day of the trade deadline when they sold everybody but the Bat Boy? <laughs> so I have uh, one of my uh, friends that I graduated from high school with uh, uh, is uh, Rick Sutcliffe's little sister. And they are still big Cubs fans, and they took it pretty hard. <laughs> it was it was a tough tough day to uh, to to be a Cubs fan. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, and and the, I guess what makes it worse is Anthony Rizzo joins the Yankees, and mm-hmm. what does he do in his first couple oh, yeah. of games? Hits the ball out of the ballpark. That had to be painful. Isn't it always the way? <laughs> But uh, it, I, yeah, going to Chicago though, just to the Wrigley experience, it's almost like Fenway. It's just fun to go, and I have some friends who are big Cubs fans, and they knew, saw this coming. I heard him whining and complaining at the beginning of the season, like, "Oh no!" And so it was sort of a relief, you know. That's you, when you finally get the bad grade. Just give me the bad grade, and let me get over it and go. Um, and I'm not revealing my academic history at all here, but uh, I think the Cubs were ready to just move on. They knew it was coming. And I know they're trying to sell, hey, let's watch the young guys. Kyle Hendricks is really somebody to watch. But it's hard to go from a competing team to watching future stars. Uh, you know, I was just looking. The uh, the Cubs are, are going to be playing in Milwaukee Brewers tonight with uh, such uh, interesting names on the roster of guys that you couldn't pick out of a lineup like Greg Diekman in right field. Uh, Matt Duffy at third base, uh, uh, Rafael Ortega in center field, Frank <laughs> Schwindel, I love that name, uh, at first base. I mean, if you're the Cub fan, I guess you have to hope that Jed Hoyer is doing the right thing and that this is going to pay dividends. But you also know it's not going to pay dividends next year, right? So not only did you get all your favorite players sold off, but now you're kind of being told that you've got to be patient for a couple of years here, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to uh, snap right back. I mean, it's not like they're spending money, right? I mean, right. the whole point of this is to get the, the payroll down, I guess. I, it's, it's beyond me. Well, you know, we talk about big market teams versus small market teams. How much bigger of a market do you want than Chicago and to be the one of the most popular teams in the country? How the Cubbies don't have enough money to hold on to talent, I just, I don't get it. Right. Sometimes it's more about your ownership. Mm. Hey, yeah, Gene, I had a question for you. Yeah. Which one of the Cubbies that they trade away was the best? Was it Chris Bryant, Rizzo, or Baez? Or Baez? Oh, I, 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 well, I probably would say Chris Bryant. I mean, I think I like Chris Bryant because Chris Bryant can play anywhere. And he plays anywhere very well. I mean, a lot of people love Baez, and Baez is a good player, but I think Chris Bryant was probably uh, the guy that, if, if I was a GM, that's the guy I would have wanted the most. Mm. I think. Yeah. You know, that's just one man's opinion, but that's, I, I think. Um, and I guess if you're a Cubs fan, I guess what makes it more painful is to see, uh, you know, you don't mind Chris Bryant going to San Francisco because. You know, other than San Francisco fans, you know, they're kind of in never, never land out there. Right. I mean, they're playing great, but they're the best team in baseball that nobody knows. 
You know, I mean, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but so I guess that's not too painful. But then when you see Baez goes to the Mets and Rizzo goes to the Yankees, you know, two of your best players going to New York, that's got to make it even worse. Mm. So, you know, that's, you know, but anyway, and then it could, you could be a Washington Nationals fan. Oh, I think they did. I I think they did send the bat boy away. Uh, (laughs) You know, but Max Scherzer, not only do you trade him away, but you trade him to the Dodgers. I mean, and I got to be honest, guys, this is one of those things where, you know, the rich get richer and you just and you say to yourself, this is one of those times when I say to myself, what good is the luxury tax threshold when teams like the Dodgers could care less? You know, I mean, they have blown so far past that that it doesn't even matter anymore. They've made a mockery out of the thing, you know. And, and so that, I guess, again, for, for Nationals fans, you got to be like, guys, you're already, your payroll's already $250 million. Really? You need another one? I mean, they, I mean it just seems insane to me to, to have him go to the Dodgers. That's, again, if you're a Nationals fan, you don't necessarily mind he gets traded. But to the Dodgers? Yeah, I, um, you know, maybe maybe I'm making too much of it because I don't root for the Nationals. I'm just thinking if I, for instance, well, it, this is very similar actually. When Mookie Betts got traded from the Red Sox to the Dodgers, I was I was just I wasn't just upset that they traded Mookie because, and I still haven't gotten over that if you can't tell. But it was the fact where they traded him. It was almost as bad as if they had traded him to the Yankees. You know, because again, the rich get richer, and it just that I think is the part that it's hard for some fans to swallow. At least it, it is. It would be if I was a fan of that team. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, man, I, it's it's being a Kansas City fan, right? I mean, yeah, how many? You get nobody. I get nobody, right? <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, we have a trade that works out pretty well, but yeah, I mean, we weren't that active, mercifully, at the. Uh, at the trade deadline, um, which tells me that, you know, they, they do plan to compete, but, but yeah, I mean, just, just a constant stream of good players going off to, uh, you know, everywhere, but, but staying in KC for the most part. Well, and I think it was, was difficult for me at the trade deadline being a Red Sox fan as I am to see that the Red Sox essentially did nothing. Now, you can say, well, they, they traded for Kyle Schwarber. Well, yes, they did. They traded for a guy that was on the injured list <laughs> who, has yet, who has yet to play a game for Boston and is probably somewhere between 10 days to two weeks away from still playing for the Red Sox. And by the way, he's an outfielder. The Red Sox don't need an outfielder. They need a first baseman, and they needed pitching. Kyle Schwarber is neither. Yet they're going to try to turn him into a first baseman just because they were desperate to do something. Mm. Well, Gene, I have another question for you, and you're going to get all these questions tonight. I did some research, and I'm going to give you two websites. Guess which website said it's time to panic as a Red Sox fan, and it's not time to panic as a Red Sox fan. All right, you got the premise? Go ahead. All right, so the first website is the Newberry Post News, and the second one is the Guy Boston Sports. So which one said panic? Guy Boston Sports said panic. You're right. 
You're right. I just thought it was so but funny that those, you those do a guys, search. I follow, I follow those guys on Twitter, and they are, you know, and look, some of it with, with those guys, they're all about social media, and they're all about the hot take, and they're all about the knee-jerk reaction, so they're going to do that. You know, they really are. Uh, so while we're talking about it, we might as well just segue right into panic uh, in New York and panic in Boston. And there is no question that there's panic in Boston. And Guy Boston Sports is right. I mean, do I think it's time to panic? I'm pretty damn close. <laughs> I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty damn close to having a meltdown, I got to tell you. Uh, uh, you know, and people say, oh, the talent's there, the talent's there. You, the problem is, is that, with, look, Chris Sale is coming back. The last time I checked, Chris Sale puts his clothes on the same way that I do, and he doesn't wear sandals, and he can't walk on water. So <laughs> what Chris Sale can do for you is, after having not pitched for a year and a half, what he can do for you is probably throw five innings. That's not the answer. You know, he, he, he's going to throw five innings, and they're going to continue to run that bullpen out there night after night after night. Matt Barnes has been in four straight games. And in three of those four games, he has blown a save because they keep asking him to pitch in high-leverage situations every night. And they've been doing that all season with their entire bullpen. And, you know, Chris Sale can only, isn't, isn't pitching nine innings. And even if he does, he's only doing that once every five days. So, you know, I, it, it, the Red Sox did nothing to address the problem. So people are panicking. Terry Francona had a great quote, guys, and I love Terry Francona. When he was the manager of the Red Sox, he said, in most cities, it's a 162-game season. In Boston, you have a 162-game, uh, 162 one-game seasons. <laughs> Every game is drama. Every game is either we're the greatest team in history or we are the worst team in history. That's what Boston fandom is like, by the way. And it's not just in baseball. It's the same way for the Celtics, for the Bruins. For the Patriots, every game is the entire season. There's just there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and so it, it's hard. You know, it, it's hard. It's got to be hard to, to to run a front office like that. Um, and and on the other side, the New York Mets. People in New York are ready to jump off of buildings, you know, and because they can't keep anybody healthy, they traded for Baez. What happened to him? He got hurt. You know, uh, they don't they don't get any other big pieces. And uh, since the All-Star break, they have been putrid. They're under 500 since the All-Star break. They went from leading the, the National League East to being in third place. Um, so if you are, and you're both outside of, you know, supposedly uh, unbiased objectors, or uh, observers, I should say. You might be objectors, too, but observers. <laughs> who had... Who has the biggest reason to panic? Uh, I'm going to say the Mets, uh, just because you know uh, they. I mean, obviously, they're struggling. The bias thing isn't going to help anybody's nerves. Yeah. But but the problem is, is they've got uh, you know Philly and Atlanta, who both did a pretty good job of making their teams better at the yep. trade deadline, and they have uh, come off of the. A trade deadline, you know, playing some pretty hot baseball, especially Philadelphia, who's just been, I mean, they're eight and two in the last 10. Uh, they're just out there uh, just absolutely crushing it, uh, which is amazing. I, I wouldn't have expected it, but they, uh, you know, they made just a couple of really smart moves at the trade deadline and, uh, and are suddenly 
firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I, I'm nervous about the Mets because DeGrom, he's been injured off and on quite a bit lately. So I think without him, I don't think they have much hope. And, you know, as much as we talk about the Red Sox being, you know, is it the time to hit the panic button? They do more with less. I mean, look how stacked the Yankees lineup is, and they're doing less with more. Um, so I, I want to make a T-shirt of that now, but I won't. But I, I want to keep <laughs> stay on the Red Sox bandwagon. The, the Mets, since the All-Star game, are 10 and 15. So, I mean, it is, right. a, yeah, the wheels have come off in a hurry. And if you're a Red Sox fan, the Red Sox have lost 10 of the last 12 games. It's, it can't Ten. get any worse, Gene. Wow. This is the, so, you know, yeah, yeah, that's pretty better. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty bad. You know, and, and I think the most, frust- the, the most frustrating thing has been uh, the uh, three of their last four losses are games they had the lead going into the seventh inning, you know. And the, the the over usage of the bullpen, I think, has really come back to bite them. But I hope you're both right. I hope it is the Mets that have the biggest reason to panic. And by the way, Paul, Degrom's not expected back till September. Oof! Holy bay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and you know, they, they thought, well, getting Carlos Carrasco back is going to help. Carlos Carrasco has not pitched well since coming back, and he's well, of course, he's also like 37 years old. And then coming off a bunch of injuries. So they just, right now, they don't, you know, no Syndergaard, no DeGrom. You know, this is just not the Mets pitching staff that they thought they were going to have. And, of course, it really hurt them when Zach Wheeler came in there the other day and pitched a uh, two-hit shutout against his former team. So uh, it, it has not been fun. So, well, let's move on from panic to euphoria. Let's go to the National League West. What must it be like to be a San Francisco Giants fan? And, and real quick, guys, other than Buster Posey, name me somebody on the San Francisco Giants. Mike Krzyzewski. Okay, good. Good job. <laughs> you, uh, you get a cookie. Chris, Chris Bryant, does that count? <laughs> oh, okay, guy. I gave you him, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, think about this. Yeah. I mean, you know, now, it's not that these guys are, I wouldn't say they're no names, but they're not household names. Now, a couple of guys, if I say their name, you can say, oh, yeah, yeah I, you know, Brandon Belt, longtime first baseman there. Brandon Crawford, longtime shortstop there. Um, but, you know, Wilmer Flores, a, a castoff from the Mets, is their starting second baseman and having a hell of a year. You know, uh, 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 Lamont Wade Jr., one of the big names. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You look at these guys and you're like, how the hell are they winning? Yeah. You know, I mean, and they're winning. Because they're pitching. Kevin Gaussman is ten and five with an ERA of two point three one. I think that is perhaps the he might be, and I know he's not going to win the Cy Young, but when you look at what he is doing, nobody saw that coming. You know, Johnny Cueto, who hasn't pitched well in like three years, is been pitching like the Johnny Cueto of five or six years ago. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. And if you're the Dodgers and the Padres. You got to be shaking your head, you know, going, what the hell do we got to do to catch these guys? And every time, this is what I love. It seems like every time the Giants and the Dodgers play, the Giants beat them. Yeah, nothing really has made me happier this season than than what the Giants have done. It's just it's it's just magic. I mean, it's what it's one of those things that just makes you love baseball because you there's you you never would have expected this at all with that lineup and who they have in the NL West. I mean. Nobody had 
had had them winning uh, the West or even contending it for, right. for most. And so it's just it's it's so great. I, this makes me love baseball more, especially when the Dodgers lose. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one of those things that they're they're the team that they're a lot like the Yankees, where you love to hate them. Yeah, yeah, and I do. And of course, the thing is with both of the with both the Yankees and the Dodgers, you know, I do. I I like them in the sense that I like to watch them. I mean, it is they are just filled with great talent. I mean, they're they're both pretty fun teams to watch. Um, again, mostly when they lose, but you know, they still are are you know they're 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 entertaining teams. But man, yeah, right. I uh, it's definitely a love hate. And there's you know the the Yankees losing. You know, is always a good thing for me. But um, <laughs> the Dodgers, I'm the Dodgers, I'm less committed to hating. I guess. Yeah, I still think the Yankees are the most hated team in baseball uh, I, because the, for so long they were so dominant and so arrogant that. And for anybody who has a favorite team in the AL, that's just obvious. Uh, my brother moved out to Los Angeles, and I saw the other day on Facebook he has a Dodgers hat on. How could he do that, Gene? <laughs> he, he went from a Tigers hat. He lived in Michigan growing up. Then he lived in Chicago for four years and wore a Cubs hat. But it wasn't his favorite team. Then he lived out east in Massachusetts for a bunch of years and went to Red Sox games. But now he has a Dodgers hat on. I mean, it's, that's almost as bad as one time I went into Home Depot and was wearing... Um, a Cape Cod Cardinals shirt, you know, one of the minor, the Cape Cod teams, that's the Cardinals. Yeah. And then I had a Cubs hat on. And a guy oh. stopped me who worked there and said, are you seriously wearing that? And then I realized <laughs> what I was doing. I took off the hat real quick and went, uh, sorry, sorry, you know. I thought you were going to tell me you walked into Home Depot wearing a Lowe's hat. No, well, <laughs> no, no. I can honestly tell you, I have never worn the major league cap of any team other than the Boston Red Sox. Wow. Ever. Good Ever. for you. Now, uh, I'll, wear, I'll wear minor league caps that aren't Red Sox affiliates, but I will not wear any other major league cap other than my team. Not a Tiger's hat if I send you one? Nope. Oh, wow. A fitting I, one? I, I'll put it in my collection, but I won't wear it. Oh, wow. Uh, I had a Tiger's hat when I lived up there. Yeah, oh. peer pressure. I, 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 well, I try to. I'm I try moving, to root for the home team. I'm moving to Braves country. Though, you, you, if if I'm, you tell you what, if you ever see a picture of me wearing a Braves helmet, a Braves hat, they'd call for an intervention because something's <laughs> gone horribly wrong. It's not going to happen. I mean, I'm looking forward to being able. To, I'm going to be where I'm going to be living in North Carolina is about three three and a half hours from Atlanta. Yeah, Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox go to Atlanta every year, so I will be there. In Atlanta, wearing my Boston Red Sox regalia, there's I never will I wear a Braves hat ever. So, uh, so you, I don't know what's wrong with your brother, but he needs help. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of this, guys, now the Dodgers have made all these moves. So, and and, and you know they have honestly or, or you know been able to hang in the race. But if you are the San Diego Padres, you're taking on water right now. Uh, no Tatis because he's out with that shoulder injury. The San Diego Padres, if they are not careful, could find themselves maybe out of the playoffs. And I, and now, it's it's not likely, but right now the Cincinnati Reds are only four games behind the Padres for that last wild card spot. 
So this Padres team that everybody has loved is in absolute danger of not making the playoffs, or if they are, being on a, a one-game wild card and having it be on the road. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But I guess we can blame the Giants, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's who's keeping them out of out of the hunt. Um, yeah, and, but, I mean, honestly, the injuries are their, you know, they have been their biggest nemesis this year. So, yep. you know, there's a little bit of that. But, yeah, man. Uh, and, and Cincinnati has, I mean, they have been playing, you know, pretty good baseball. So you, you could definitely see it coming. If, if they, uh, if, if San Diego can't pull it together, if some of these bats don't heat up, I mean, they've got a number of underachieving bats, you know, you know, I'm looking at you, Eric Hosmer, um, <laughs> you know, they've got some real problems on, uh, uh, you know, uh, with, with, with their bats. And if that doesn't turn around and Tatis doesn't come back the way they hope he does, they, they could have a long, uh, September. Well, I'm going to say something very bold here. I knew from the very beginning of the season the Padres were not going to win at all because they got the pitcher, Hugh Darvish, on the team, which is like the curse of any team. Hugh Darvish has been lit up every time he's in the playoffs. So I thought, they're done. He'll, they'll never win at all. So there you go. Well, uh, a very scientific study, but okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the thing is, is now now the Padres, obviously, I mean, what's, uh, Tatis has gone down, what, three times this year? I know twice yeah, were an extended. It might, I think it's been three times, though. There is now talk when he comes back that the Padres may move him to center field, take him out of the shortstop hole, and move him to center field in hopes of being able to save this guy's body. Now, I have two questions for you. Number one... Uh, would you do that? Number two, the way that Tatis plays the game, do you see him playing it any more recklessly in the outfield than he does in the infield? You know, I mean, those, that's, that's kind of two sides of the same question, right? I mean, yeah. because why would you want to move him to the outfield if he's going to run to the wall, just going to run to the wall. Right. I mean, (laughs) I just don't, I don't know how much easier playing the outfield is right. I, the, just probably the ongoing, you're not diving as much. You're not, um, uh, you know, uh, probably just you're, I guess you're, you're, what do you call it? The, your fast reaction muscles, uh, the fast twitch muscles, those aren't getting activated as much. So you're, you know, and that's when you get strains and pulls and stuff. Whereas with the, um, uh, in the outfield, you know, it's not quite as aggressive with the moves. So I guess that's the logic there. Um, you know, but you know, everybody seems to agree with it. The people know a lot more about it than me, but, um, but man, I, yeah, you just, he's, he's not a gentle guy who's just going to, I mean, part of the reason he gets hurt is because he goes hard after every ball and tries to get to balls that are most guys couldn't get to, right? So, yeah, I think, ah, boy, I, I, I don't know what I'd do if if I thought it was going to keep him in the game. I, yes, I would have him play in the outfield if if the doctors say that that's the best move. I guess I'm listening to them. Well, he got hurt running the bases one of the times. It wasn't 
when he was playing yeah. defense. So yeah, but the the shoulders his biggest issue though, Paul. It, both of his injuries that have kept him out for a long time have been uh, shoulder issues. He's got a partial separated shoulder right now, and mm-hmm. and it happens because he constantly is diving after balls on the infield. So I guess that's what the thought is: is that if he's in the outfield, there's less diving that has to go on. Wow, I mean, if you're really, really concerned about it, first base is about the safest position I could think you could be in on the whole field. And he's I, too good an athlete for that. Yeah, that's yeah. well. So that's the the rub. And I looked up the most dangerous um, position. Of course, it's pitcher because you're always tearing your arm up throwing the ball. But beyond pitcher, I would have thought you know maybe catcher would get the most injury. And I agree with Eric. I could see him running right into a wall and knock himself out. <laughs> Um, the Tigers had two of their guys injured recently, um, Hill and um, Badu. Um, two outfielders shouldn't run into each other, but that shows the rookie Badu not paying attention to center field or doing what he's doing. Uh, that's what makes me also a little nervous about Tatis out there. Is he going to know how to call off people? And boy, one of those collisions between outfielders can be really devastating. Yeah, yeah you know, and the other piece of this is, and nobody's talking about this, is. Are they going to have Tatis's buy-in? Because if they're going to do this, Tatis has to be on board with it, and he has to be a hundred percent on board with it. Um, you know, or it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's too much to ask, but you know, uh, you know, I'd be I'd be a little bit worried about that. But we'll see. Hey, by the way, while we're in the American or National League West, did you see the slide by Trey Turner yesterday? It, it was the most. I have never. It was like it was the smoothest slide I have ever seen. It was like a dance move. Paul, if you haven't seen this, you got to look it up on Major League uh, on the Major League Baseball website. It is unbelievable. It was like he was sliding on ice, and he just popped right up, like no effort at all, and just walked off like it was nonchalant. It was unbelievable. Greatest right. slide I've ever seen. Wow. It was, yeah, it's, it's so smooth. And somebody, I so the way I was introduced to it was someone had turned it into a GIF, so it just repeated <laughs> over and over and over. And it's, just, it's like, how is that even possible? It doesn't even look, yeah, it looks like he's sliding on glass. I am yeah. looking at it right now, and that is amazing. And what I'm noticing is he has a left-hand protector that seems to be all in, in vogue now. Like Bryce Harper has this, like, paddle, almost yeah. pickleball like the, on his um, left the hand. The oven mitt. Yeah, that he's using to protect. And I get it. I mean, these guys are worth so much. Why not put on something that's going to protect them? It just looks weird. I wonder what the old school, like Pete Rose, would have to say or has to say about seeing these paddles on their hands. Well, they're doing it because everybody slides head first now. Yeah, that's you know? true. Which was, what, which was the cool part, by the way, about this slide at the home plate, is that it wasn't head first. It was an old-fashioned slide, and it was the coolest slide ever. I, I don't think you will ever see one any better. That was fun. That was fun. So I had to bring that up. Um, now we're going to do something, guys, that we don't do here very often. We're going to talk about the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> about time. About time. <laughs> I, 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 I want to do that because uh, yesterday was the uh, 10th anniversary of Sal Perez, uh, their all-star catcher, being called up uh, to the major leagues, and he celebrated it by hitting two home runs against the New York Yankees. So, by the way, uh, yesterday he was my favorite player in baseball. Uh, <laughs> if you, I, you've been a longtime Royals fan, uh, Eric. Tell me yep. where, is he on the Mount Rushmore 
of players for the Kansas City Royals? Would he be in your Mount Rushmore of one of the top four faces? Yeah, I mean, Sal's been so important to this team, um, and, and especially the World Series teams. Um, and and just, just like within the community, and uh, yeah, I mean, every after every win, there's the Salvi splash. Um, yeah, and he's just been, he's been the face of the franchise now for, I don't, I don't even know how many years and he, and, and not to mention, I mean, he brings it right. So he's, uh, you know, probably, you know, I mean, he certainly are the best catcher, uh, the Royals have had, and we've had some pretty good ones. Um, you know, Mike McFarlane was a pretty good catcher. Um, uh, and of course, Daryl Porter caught for the Royals for a long time, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he is, uh, you know, I, it's it's hard to think of, you know, a whole lot of guys who would be in that line in front of him who, you know, aren't George Brett. Um, so yeah, I think you've got to put him. If I had him out Rushmore, who would it be? Uh, Brett, obviously. Um, Splitorf. Oh, Frank White and and Salvi. That's leaving not a lot of great players, so that's hard hard to say, but. Um, yeah, maybe maybe there's a fifth in there for Hal McRae, but yeah. All right, so with every nice day, a little rain must fall. Um, I agree that he has a certain charisma about him, but his <laughs> stats are not Hall of Fame even close. And um, yes, he, he hits the ball well, and he seems to get everybody charged up, but you know, this year is his highest home run total ever. Uh, he's, he's a career 270 hitter. Um, which is good this you know these days, but he's hit 181 home runs total. So I think his defense and the, just the way he carries himself, I think makes such a big difference. And maybe in this day and age, we're always thinking about stats. Maybe I should underestimate or you know not pay attention as to those stats as much. But. Well, I think that what you have to take into consideration for for Perez is the position that he plays. You know, you have to remember that very few catchers are going to put up gaudy offensive numbers. Now, there have been some, you know, obviously Johnny Bench put up, it was unbelievable. Uh, Mike Piazza did that, but let's remember, Mike Piazza, all the numbers he put up weren't always as catcher. You know, uh, yep. you know, you look at uh, some of these guys that have been great catchers, look at, look at how the stats, take a look at a guy uh, like Buster Posey, who started out like a house of fire, and now because of all the injuries over time, you know, his numbers are nowhere near what they used to be. Uh, what about uh, uh, the kid from uh, the Minnesota Twins? Uh, longtime catcher for the Twins. The name is escaping me. Uh, Maurer? Yeah, Joe Maurer. Yeah. Started out as a catcher. You know, it looked like he was going to be the greatest catcher in the history of catchers. And the numbers, uh, the, the injuries and the, the, the squatting and everything else behind the plate, I think, I think really... Puts a beating on these guys. Yeah, Posey yeah, only has 154 home runs, and I would have thought, you know, he's more likely to make it the Hall of Fame, but he doesn't have as good as a Sal. So I, I'm, I take a step back and acknowledge the <laughs> wisdom of my co-host. Yeah, and I think with um, uh, with with Sal, you're going to continue to see the really high numbers you've seen um, this this year, and uh, and really uh, like last year the. He is like per game home runs were were I mean he way 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 he when he came back he was coming off a Tommy John surgery and he just I mean he had you know what would have been his even for a shortened season you know one of his greatest offensive 
outputs um, in his career. And that's because he, they finally convinced him he didn't have to catch every single game. I mean, right. He caught like 160 games one year. It's just, so he, they finally got him to give himself and his body a break and it's really paid off big, big, big dividends for, uh, for Sal. I think uh, if you look at like a hall of famer that he would compare pretty favorably to Gary Carter, um, you know, is one mm-hmm. um, uh, where, and of course he played, you know, outfield too, but, um, and who knows where Sal will end up, you know, later in his career, but, um, but his, you know, their offensive numbers are, are trending about the same. Um, I, I could certainly see, you know, so I, I, I think, I do think it's still a stretch for Sal to get into the hall of fame. It kind of depends on how these next few years go. If he continues the output that he has, if he gets to 300 home runs, um, you know, Carter's at 324. that's certainly within reach. Um, uh, for Salvi, you know, I think uh, he sort of good. Plus, he's got you know, uh, I don't know, four or five Golden Gloves. He's been to the All Star Game every year since uh, 2013. So, I mean, and that part of that's of course because he's a fan favorite and everybody loves him. Um, but he's also got you know the Silver Slugger um, for several like three years too. So he's, um, yeah, he's he's definitely got a shot at the Hall. But it's a it's it's always a high mountain to climb. Well, let, let me throw this at you. Uh, a lot of people believe that Yadier Molina, guaranteed Hall mm-hmm. of Famer, right? I mean, that's yep. mo- well. You know, here's the thing: you take a look at Yadier's numbers, and now his 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 career batting average is a little bit higher. He's he's a 280 career hitter, all right. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, his OPS isn't huge. He's only got 168 career home runs. And one of the things I like is that uh, Baseball Reference does a uh, like a, a Hall of Fame tracker kind of thing. Hmm. And according to baseballreference.com, not not only is Yadier Molina not a Hall of Famer, neither is uh, Sal Perez. Yadier's really? Yadier's closer, but hmm. they say that uh, you know you look at the average Hall of Famer for uh, uh, is is if you look at WAR, the big mm-hmm. number that everybody likes to look at. The yeah. average average Hall of Fame catcher's WAR is fifty three point eight. Well, Yadier Molina, who's played a lot longer than Sal Perez, is only at forty one point four. You know, so yeah. you know it's it's kind of hard when you look at those numbers. The thing is, though, is that I think that the number is different. But look, for instance, Carlton Fisk, who played forever, right? Mm-hmm. His his career WAR was sixty eight point four, which is about mm-hmm. fifteen points higher than the average uh, than than what they consider Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, his his war, by the way, is fourth highest ever for catchers. So those two guys aren't even close in the pantheon of catchers in the career of, of, of baseball. But as Paul has pointed out, you know, we look at things differently now. You know, we don't hold, you know, it used to be, you know, 400 homers was the standard. Now it's now it's like 600 homers is the standard. You know, it's like everything is different now. It's we don't we don't look at numbers. We don't look at wins the way we used to. You know, every so now everything is different. You know, now if you if you're hitting 240, people think you're a great hitter. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, That's true. Yeah. So so I don't I, I so I think Yadier Molina is is a surefire Hall of Famer. I absolutely yeah. do. And I, I, agree. I he's also a surefire um, I think uh, human being. He's one of those guys that I just love to watch play cuz he plays the game the right way. Yep. I I think Sal Perez right now would be in the Hall of Very Good. Yep, but I think the, the other thing we have to remember is he's only thirty-one years old. Right. 
he's still got another, you know, conservatively six, seven years, you think? Yep. You know, yeah, maybe longer if he wants to. You know, the money being what it is now, he won't have to play that long if he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, his numbers will be, I, I think by the time all is said and done, he's going to be borderline. Yeah, I agree. He probably won't be a first ballot um, unless, you know, the numbers really explode and he gets, you know, is like an MVP or has, you know, some sort of incredible season, you know, out by some measure. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think the, it would help a lot if the Royals get back to the playoffs. Um, you know, those uh, he's one of the he's a super clutch kind of player. Yeah. Um, and as as you know, Bill Mazeroski will tell you, you know, sometimes it just takes one hit to get you in the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> so uh, nice. So, yeah. Quote. I mean, I yeah. Um, so you know, I just I, for me, I think Sal's got a lot of upside still left in him, especially if he. Uh, you know, keeps uh, keeps not catching every game. So I'm 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 certainly looking forward to the next few years. Do so you it, think that uh, will the Royals ever get to a point where they say to him, "Hey, we'd like to keep your bat in the lineup. How about being the DH or how about playing first base?" I, oh, I think that could definitely happen. I don't know about first base, um, but uh, yeah, for sure he could be the DH. Um, uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe first base. I, I've never seen him. You know, I actually, I think he did play first base a couple of times a few years back. Now that I think about it, but anyway, I think, uh, yeah, I think they would definitely, you know, his his bat is so important, and just his leadership, um, you know, for the for the club, they'll do whatever um, to keep him around. And I mean, Kashi signed a really club friendly deal a few years ago, and then you know they they re uh, renegotiated it. Then it was still really club friendly, but he got a little more money. So I think he's sticking around for quite a while. He has actually played first base in five different seasons. Okay, really? Wow. Yeah, including yeah. including last year, by the way. Huh. So how about That's that? Funny. So, yeah. So he. I wonder if it's so like a late game replacement kind of deal. Or well, yeah, he hasn't played a lot there. He's played yeah. a grand total of nine games at first base over five <laughs> okay. years. So he's, he's played there for he's played first base for fifty one innings. In his career, <laughs> okay, fifty-one. Yeah, that. Yeah. So that. Yeah. Eighty, eighty-four hundred and twenty-four at catcher, fifty-one, <laughs> fifty-one at first yeah. base, and he's been a designated hitter eighty-five times in his career. Yeah, yeah. And so we see. Def- I mean, we see the uh, the Giants are doing that a lot with Buster Posey to try to keep him in the lineup, but not mm-hmm. have his body take the beating. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough job. Probably kind of like what the Padres are doing with Tatis. You, you know, you try to mm-hmm. keep him in the lineup somehow. Yes, most of Salvi's problems, besides obviously the year he had, is uh, um, you know the Tommy John surgery. the The biggest problem he's had is he, boy, he takes a lot of balls to the mask, and uh, he's had some concussion uh, yeah. um, problems. No, well, that almost ended Joe Maurer's career. Yeah, I mean, that's actually that was part of the reason why he did retire when he did. He had he had taken so many shots off the coconut that that you know there were times I think Maurer would lose a month at a time. From you know blurred vision and uh, you know just not being right, so uh, they call it the tools of ignorance for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I consider myself too intelligent to ever be a guy. You know what? It's like being a goalie in hockey. Hey, I watch hey, those hey, guys. Hey, hey. I know. I seriously, I watch those guys going. What in the hell are they thinking? I don't know. What are you trying to I, say, Gene? Those were my two positions when I was growing up. I guess that <laughs> says a lot now. I guess now. Uh, sorry. 
<laughs> no, but my dad put me right into catcher when I was in, in little league, and I played that all the way through um, baseball, and I was playing goalie in hockey because that's what I did. So well, and and, and part of the, you know, and actually, in some ways, for a parent to do that, it's smart. You know why? Because <laughs> nobody wants to be nobody wants to be the catcher, so you'll play every day. You'll have a chance to play all the time because there, there's not a lot of people that want to do that because they see. Not, you know, the beating that you take back there. There's not a lot of guys that want to do that. So, you know, good for you, Paul. How good were you? Were you like a good defensive catcher? I was okay. I was okay. I was a better goalie than I was a catcher. So, okay. All right. Uh, Speaking of goalies, let's move on to the Olympics because we saw goalies. We saw, uh, we saw catchers. We saw everything in the Olympics. And let's talk Olympic baseball. And I know you guys probably, you know, weren't, watching every inning of the tournament, nor did I. I watched two games. Um, I watched the U.S. against Japan twice. I watched them lose in the knockout round, um, and then I watched them lose in the uh, the championship game. But my question to you is this. In Olympic basketball, we've gotten to a point where the pros from the NBA are playing for all the countries. They're playing in the ter- in the tournament. Hockey is going to be shutting its season down for two weeks uh, when the Olympics, uh, the Winter Olympics, come uh, in, to China in two years, so that their pros can play in this tournament. Baseball, the United States, it was a bunch of young kids, twenty, twenty-one year old kids, and some, you know, some old guys, guys like uh, 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 Frazier who just retired. Uh, they had uh, they had a couple of pitchers out there, uh, Scott Casimir, who's thirty-seven or thirty-eight years old. Uh, you know, a couple of guys that, you know, have been in the majors, but it's just kids. Should Major League Baseball consider allowing their players to go play for their national teams in the Olympics? Uh, I, you know, look, the U.S. team, we, we won silver. We lost the, the, the championship game uh, two to zero. I mean, we were in the mix. I, I don't think we need to disrupt the uh, you know, the baseball season just to, uh, um, you know, just for the Olympics. Uh, I don't know. It's I, I mean, really, who cares about the basketball team? I know a lot of people love to watch it. I'm just always like, what's, there's no drama. That's just kind of dumb. I mean, that, the other teams have finally gotten a little bit better. So there's some drama in basketball, but in baseball, you know, Hey, we did pretty good. We could have, we could have won the whole thing with, you know, uh, the young kids and and you know the old guys, I, and that's 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 fine with me. I'd rather watch that team win than to watch a bunch of like actual all stars from from the MLB win. Yeah, I agree with Eric. I watch the Olympics to watch the sports or the you know disciplines I can't see on a regular basis. I, you know, every year I get to watch baseball, and every year I get to see basketball, and I see the best players on TV. But the Olympics, especially, you get to watch pole vaulting and shot put and swimming like you don't usually get to see and gymnastics and even badminton or handball. Handball was cool. I loved watching that. And that's why I enjoy the most out of the Olympics in track and field. And so baseball is sort of like, yeah. And I did see a, uh Olympic baseball game down in a Colton, uh, Colton, that's wrong, uh, Atlanta Stadium down in 1996. And it was okay, but it just wasn't as good as a regular baseball game. So I don't think they should interrupt the whole major league system. Yeah, I watch way more softball. <laughs> you know, you know, 
Yeah, and you know, and I'm with you guys. I actually, you know, I was just throwing it out there. I don't necessarily think they should do it because, because um, it would and, and it would mean shutting the game down. And with the amount of money that's involved, how many teams are really going to want? Like, if you're the Mets, do you want Jacob Degrom going out and throwing in the Olympics? I don't think so. You know, do, you know, if you are uh, uh, the Padres, do you want Fernando Tatis to play for uh, Puerto Rico? I don't think so. You know, I, I think that's so. I think that's part of the problem. We see that even when the, when MLB has the World Baseball Classic, uh, a lot of teams are saying to their guys, "Hey, uh, we'd rather you didn't." <laughs> so, so I think you know the Olympics would probably be just be more of that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if we you know start letting you know all of our pros go, um, you know, I guess it would. Who knows? Maybe that would actually make for more interesting baseball. But uh, I just. <laughs> Let's keep the baseball season intact. I don't want to see this, this team the, that split up. That said, I don't watch a whole lot of baseball during the Olympics, so right, right. Um, because I'm, you know, a lot of the sports I love very much and participate in. You know, I can actually watch a triathlon on. Uh, That's got to be on TV. It is. It's and especially, and I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> but, um, I'm going to finish my thought. Okay. Um, uh, you know, even if you don't. Uh, care about a normal triathlon watching the uh mixed relay triathlon is incredible it was it was so much fun because it's everything's really short and you have like four uh, people splitting it up and they do four different tri four separate triathlons in like an hour and a half it was so much fun anyway i i will say this my favorite sport to watch in the olympics in the summer olympics mm -hmm. and and paul mentioned team handball I have to watch. I didn't watch that. Oh my god! I tell you what. I wish that I had had that around when I was a kid. I would have loved to learn to play that. That is so. I like to watch that, and I like to watch water polo. Man, water polo is a brutal sport. That they just man, they beat the tar out of each other. I would never want to play that sport. Yeah, but they're fun. I mean, and maybe it's because we only see it every four years. But mm -hmm. there's so much going on. There's so much yeah. activity, and it just it looks like a blast. And I I'll guarantee you this. Water polo, I don't think is a blast because I'd probably be lucky if I didn't drown, mm -hmm. you know. And I've been swimming since I was five years old, but that's that's not really swimming as much as it is like water calisthenics for two and hours. Water and wrestling, you're getting punched under yeah. the water, and oh, it's, man, that's a tough sport. But team handball is fun. There's no question about that. That is a lot of fun. So, well, guys, we got through it. And Paul Arnold, nice job today. Thanks, Coach. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be back in two weeks with another edition of the boys of summer we thank you for listening to us today we'll see you soon enjoy the games for paul arnold and eric braun i'm gene gums